Well, good morning, everybody. It's good to see y'all here this morning. We're going to start off a little bit differently today. As you can see down here, we have our shoe boxes that are, are about ready to get sent out. Um, I just talked to Miss Francis not 15 seconds ago, and she told me that we have 181 boxes uh, to send out. So, thank y'all for being so willing to, to put these together and bring them up here so that we can spread the gospel uh, through this, this great program. So if you would, let's pray together over these boxes as they prepare to get sent out. Father, Lord, we love you. God, I thank you for the people who are willing to give up their time, their resources, God, to, to put together a box that, that can be sent across the world to spread your good news and your gospel. Lord, I pray that each little boy and girl who receives one of these boxes will, will take the time to read everything that's in it. Lord, that they would be touched. Um, Lord, that your word be spread far and wide, uh, any, much farther and greater than, than we could do ourselves, Lord. But I, I pray that you would bless these boxes and that you would make them fruitful. God, we love you and we thank you. And it's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. If y'all would stand up and let's worship together. So Lord my God when I in awesome wonder consider all the worlds I hands have made I see the stars I hear the Sings my soul, my soul. 
let y'all be seated for just a moment. We just want to take this opportunity uh, to welcome you to worship today here at Myrtle Grove Baptist Church. Again, we're so glad that you're here with us this morning. Again, if, uh, if you're a guest with us, we're especially glad for your presence today. Again, as always, members or guests, there's a tab on your bulletin. If you have any prayer requests or any information that you'd like to share with us uh, this morning, then you feel free to write that down and, and put that in the offering plate uh, later on in the service when it, when it comes by. Again, just uh, want to remind you, just uh, for next week will be our, uh, our recognition in, in for Veterans Day and, and a special day uh, for that. And I know, uh, so we'll, if you have a uniform to wear that you can wear, then uh, we'd love for you to be able to wear that. But after the service this morning, I know Roland Kuhlman would like to meet with you, with you, our, our guys and our ladies after the service. He said for about a 30-second or less meeting, he said. So I'm going to hold, you to, hold him to that. But uh, just uh, get a little bit of logistics for next Sunday. So, again, hope you'll be able to be here and be a part of that. I know uh, this morning uh, where some of us are wearing orange, and you see your bulletin insert this morning from the International Mission Board about today being the International Day of Prayer for the Persecuted Church Worldwide. And, uh, again, we uh, want to be a part of that and praying for our brothers and sisters in Christ across the world who are not as fortunate as we are to, to worship in freedom. And again, I know Pastor Josh, after our video, is going to come and, and lead us in prayer for them. But again, just uh, uh, one thing I do want to mention, you, out in the foyer, there are some orange wristbands, uh, just again, for, for you to take if you care to wear one. And uh, these say one with them, so you know that we are, we are one with our brothers and sisters in, in Christ and praying for them. So uh, we'll go ahead and, uh, and watch that video now. This is Cappadocia. First mentioned in the book of Acts, an ancient home for Christians for thousands of years. But it isn't just a home. It's also a place of refuge. God has used this place to help Christians for hundreds of years. Christians fleeing invaders, persecution, and certain death. And here, walking in the footsteps of thousands of faithful Christians, I'm reminded of how God used this place to keep his church alive and growing. But in many countries around the world, this is not ancient history. Millions of Christians face this reality on a daily basis. Around the world today, over 360 million Christians suffer high levels of persecution and discrimination for their faith. That's one in seven Christians worldwide. The problem is impossible to overstate. And yet, each of those people who suffers has their own Cappadocia, a secret place that God has provided of refuge and peace because no Christian suffers alone. 
주 하나님의 임재를 느낄때라 여전히 주의 종으로 섬길 수 있도록 강건하게 하시는 우리 아버지 하나님께 감사드립니다. When brothers and sisters around the world stand with them, persecuted Christians know that even in the harshest of circumstances, they will not be forgotten and left without hope. That's part of our DNA as Christians. When you stand with God's persecuted people, you're bringing the reality of Cappadocia to Christians all over the world. افرادی هستند که با من هستند افرادی هستند که با درد من گریه میکنند افرادی هستند که برای من گریه میکنند و دعا میکنند این برام خیلی قوت قلبی چون که اگه اونجا قدرت خدا نباشه تو اون مکان شما نمیتونید طاقت This year we've made it easier than ever for you to stand with your family in prayer with the 2022 World Watch List As you read it, see what God does in your heart and what he does in the hearts of your brothers and sisters as he provides refuge as he's done here in Cappadocia for over a thousand years. Join us in 2022 because we're one church, one family. writer of Hebrews tells us that we are to remember those who are in prison as though we were in prison with them and those who are mistreated since you also are in the body. One part of your body hurts, the rest of the body suffers along with it, right? Any of you with back pain this morning? Amen. And so we're called to Remember the brothers and sisters around the world who are less fortunate than we are and who are suffering. And so I'm going to invite you to stand with me and any of you that feel led to do so to come forward and we'll take a knee if you're able. If you're able to just stand there where you are, that's fine. Come join me as we lift up our brothers and sisters in prayer all around the world. Heavenly Father, we come to you right now remembering our brothers and sisters all around the world who are suffering for their faith in you. Lord, we know that you take account of every one of these. Lord, you've never forgotten a single one. And nor have you forgotten the suffering that they've gone through. Lord, I know that you suffered before us. Lord Jesus, as you went to the cross, you bore our iniquities upon yourself. You suffered and you bled and you died for us. But Lord, you were looking past the cross to the empty tomb, to the ascension and to the resurrection, knowing that one day we would be with you I pray, Lord, that every one of my brothers and sisters who are facing 
persecution today would have that same view in mind, Lord, that they would have heaven on their mind today. And they would know that everything that they suffer, Lord, is, is just temporary. And it's not going to last. But they have a hope that is steadfast and sure in heaven. And they are seated in the heavenly places with Christ today. Lord, help them to be willing to forgive those who persecute them. Help them to offer grace. Comfort their families. Comfort the children who've lost their mothers and their fathers. Wrap your arms around them. And Lord, on that day when we are called to stand, may we stand and never recant, never deny the Lord that we serve. And it's in your holy and precious name I pray. Amen. As you're making your way back to your seats, if y'all would stand up and let's worship. See you. 
Good morning, Myrtle Grove. I think the words say it all. It's just how lucky we are. Prayer to be. Father God, thank you for another day that we may come to your house and give you the honor and praise that only you are worthy of. Lord, all the lyrics of the songs a while ago tell us just how lucky we are versus out of the persecuted church. Lord, let us always remember them, the suffering that they go through in your name. Lord, let us remember our military men and women around the world, keeping us safe this time. Let us remember our first responders, our police force, everyone, Lord, who gives us a freedom. Lord, now as we collect just a small portion of what it is you've given us, let us give it back to you and use it to further your kingdom here and around the world. In your son's name we pray, amen.
Open your Bibles with me to Matthew chapter 5. We'll be looking at verses 10 through 12 today. And this is part of the Sermon on the Mount, and it's the part that we know as the Beatitudes. Today's subject is one that we'd rather not talk about, and that is the persecution and suffering of Christians. Um, most of us would rather not even consider that, thinking about that. But we see from Scripture that this will be part of a believer's life. I remember whenever they told me that we couldn't bring our Bibles to school whenever I was a teenager, and uh, my classmates tried to intimidate me and tell me I needed to put my Bible away because I couldn't have that at school, that that was not the place for the Bible. Well, school hadn't started yet. It wasn't instructional time. I kept my Bible out on my desk, and I did my devotion there at the desk. Now, I would love to say that I'd done that all throughout my high school career, but in those waning few months of my high school career, I got more serious about uh, reading my Bible and spending time with the Lord. But from the very beginning, starting with Stephen, who was a, by the way, was a deacon, you deacons out there, the first deacon was stoned to death for his faith. But beginning with him, Christians have been suffering persecution from that day until today. And the, the Christian watch groups report that Christian persecution is worse today than it has ever been in history. And it's getting worse by the minute. Every day. So here's the biblical truth that I want to share with you this morning. And this applies to you and me, every person who calls himself a Christian. Every Christian will suffer persecution. The Bible says so. Yet, Jesus said that when we suffer persecution, we are blessed. So stand with me and let's hear the words of our Lord here in Matthew chapter 5, beginning in verse 10. Jesus says, Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward is great in heaven. For so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Let us pray together. 
Our Heavenly Father, as we come to this subject today, Lord, most of us um, retract from the idea that we would need to suffer for you. It's not a pleasant thought. But Lord Jesus, we understand because of your word and because of the testimony that we have, the world hates us and is against us. And we have an enemy who seeks to destroy us. And so, Lord, if we stand for you, we will be a target for our enemy. But Lord, what we understand beyond all of these things is that you are faithful. You are so good and kind. And you would never allow any of your children to suffer if it were not necessary. And if it were not for a greater purpose. And so, Lord, we willingly submit. And, Lord, we say, Lord, we love you no matter what. And that we are blessed no matter what. Because our names are written in the Lamb's book of life. Our eternity is sure. We know where we're going when we close our eyes for the last time on this earth. And so, Jesus, whatever may come, may you receive the glory. In your name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. I want to share with you five truths about the state of those who are persecuted from this passage this morning. Five truths. They all begin with a with a P, so that may help remember, uh, may help your memory with that. Uh, the first one, I want you to see the position of the persecuted, the position of the persecuted. When we look at the text here, Jesus says, blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness sake. Blessed are those who are persecuted. Then he goes on to say, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. The word there is makarion in Greek. And it is repeated nine times in Matthew chapter 5. And it's translated blessed or happy. That word, that's what literally what it means. It means happy, but we, it's translated blessed. And that's why we call this portion of the Sermon on the Mount the Beatitudes. is because each one of these statements begins with blessed. Well, when Jesus goes down the list of all of those people who are blessed or blessed... We see that it's kind of like turning everything on its head. Not blessed are the rich, but blessed are the poor in spirit. Not blessed are those who rejoice, but blessed are those who mourn. Not blessed are those who are, who are strong and powerful, but blessed are those who are meek. Not blessed are those whose bellies are filled, but blessed are those who hunger and thirst. Not blessed are those who get their come up and uh, give their comeuppance. But those who are merciful. Blessed not are those who are pure in their outward deeds, but blessed are the pure in heart. Not blessed are those who win the battle, but those who are peacemakers. In verse 10, blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness sake. So the Bible says... You're blessed when you're persecuted. Jesus said, blessed are you when you're persecuted. Not blessed are you if you are persecuted, but blessed are you when you are persecuted. What Jesus implies is that every single one of us, if we call ourselves a Christian, we will suffer persecution. 
Now, here's some of the things that we suffer when when we call ourselves a Christian, we will suffer personal insults. I mean, you just look today at television, media, the news, as well as Hollywood and media uh, and movies that are out there, the Internet. People love to make fun of Christians. They love to hurl insults in our way. And, and Christian people are the butt of nearly every joke. Why do they make fun of us that way? They don't make fun of Islam that way. I mean, it's not politically correct at all to make fun of Islam or, or Hinduism or any of the other world religions. Why do they choose Christianity? Well, they choose Christianity because they know that Christians will not retaliate the way that others do because we are called to love and grace and mercy. Personal insult. The Bible tells us not to return insult for insult. We'll also suffer physical intimidation. I remember hearing about a, a couple of missionaries that went from the Tri-County Association over to Indonesia to share the gospel. And as they were sharing from place to place, they weren't moving quickly enough. And word was getting around the town that these Christians were there sharing about Jesus. And uh, one of the bigger guys on that team that was there turned around just in time to see a guy an Indonesian Muslim man behind him with a two-by-four about ready to conk him on the head. Physical intimidation for our faith in Christ. And we'll also suffer political injustice. And we understand that uh, our society, the Bible says, is going. people are going to go from bad to worse. And that includes those even serving in places, positions of leadership and authority in our society, that they will stand against Christianity and the things of Christ. And they'll say things like, you can't have prayer in the schools. And they'll say things like, churches can't gather because COVID will spread. Even though people can go to bars and they can go to football games, they can't go to church. Political injustice. And we think we have it bad in America. You think about our brothers and sisters in places like China where they can't even own a Bible. Legally own a Bible. Open Doors USA, which is a, a, another one of those Christian persecution watch groups, figures that about 360 million Christians last year lived in countries where persecution was significant. Roughly... 5,600 Christians were murdered last year. Now, let that sink in. More than 6,000 were detained or imprisoned, and another 4,000 plus were kidnapped. In addition, more than 5,000 churches and other religious facilities were destroyed just last year. Now, you imagine them coming with a bulldozer or, or, or a crane and wrecking ball and taking it to this building. But our brothers and sisters in other portions of the world undergo these things on a daily basis. But here is, here is the good news. Jesus said, blessed are we. Now listen, whenever the Lord pronounces blessing, it's not like whenever Brother Josh, Pastor Josh pronounces a blessing. I can, I can say, God bless you. And you go on your day and... Then your car doesn't start and, and uh, 
whatever, you know, you're hungry or whatever, you miss your, you miss your appointment, whatever happens. You know, there's all kinds of things that might happen to you. But when the Lord pronounces a blessing, when the Lord pronounces a blessing, that blessing is sure. And it's written down in heaven that every tear that falls, the Lord catches and holds in his hand. There's not a thing that you've ever suffered that the Lord doesn't know full well. And every one of our brothers and sisters that we pray for today that are all throughout the world that are suffering at the hands of evil men because of their faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, every single one of our brothers and sisters have never been forgotten, not for a moment, by our Lord. He loves them. Jesus said, not a sparrow falls to the ground that our Heavenly Father doesn't know about. And so the position of the persecuted, listen, they are seated in the heavenlies with Christ Jesus. And their position is sure, Jesus said, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And nothing on earth can shake it. They have a secure position. But I want you to see, secondly, not just the position of the persecuted, but the posture of the persecuted. Now look at what it says next. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Now, did you hear that part? Blessed are those who are persecuted. Why? For righteousness sake. There's a difference between punishment and persecution. Now, sometimes you bring bad things on yourself by your behavior. Sometimes Christians get in trouble. For things that they ought not be doing. You can't count it as persecution whenever you are the cause. Peter says in 1 Peter chapter 4, If you are insulted for the name of Christ, you are blessed. Because the spirit of glory and God rests upon you. But let none of you suffer as a murderer. Or a thief. Or an evildoer. Or as a meddler. I'm being persecuted by the IRS because I defrauded the government on the taxes that I owed them. You're not being persecuted. You're a thief. And he goes on to say, as a meddler, sticking your nose in other people's business all the time. I heard, heard uh, someone say one time, you stick your nose in places it ought not be, you're going to find a fist at the end of it. Verse 16, yet if anyone suffers as a Christian, let him not be ashamed. See, in order for it to qualify as true persecution, it must be for righteousness sake. And if it's for righteousness sake, there's absolutely no reason to be ashamed. And so Peter says, don't be ashamed for that, but let him glorify God in that name. So it's all about the lifestyle that we show. Listen to the posture of the, of the persecuted. The lifestyle that we show. It must be for righteousness sake. 2 Timothy 3, 12-13. Indeed, all who desire to live godly, to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. Now, why is that true? Well, here's, what, here's the reality. Is that Jesus calls us to be just a little bit further down from what we're reading. He says we are the salt of the earth and we are the light of the world. We're different. And what is the darkness always trying to do? It's trying to stamp out the light. And whenever you shine the light of a righteous life on sinners around you, it exposes their deeds and their deeds are dark. 
And so they want to put out the light. And so Paul says, when you try to live that godly life in Christ, you will be persecuted. While evil people and imposters will go on from bad to worse, deceiving and being deceived. So the lifestyle that we show is the posture that causes persecution. Secondly, though, the lies that we suffer are false against us. Notice what it says here. Blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account, is what Jesus said. And so we suffer lies. Now, here's the thing. Let them be lies and not true. It's not persecution if what they're saying about you is true. Paul talked to, talked to Titus about the Cretans and he said they're, they're gluttonous. Well, was that true? Yeah, they had that reputation. And Paul was encouraging them to, let, to not allow that to be part of their witness or their testimony. The world is looking for Christians to do something wrong so they can catch them and say, Aha! They don't really believe what they teach. They don't really believe what they think I should do and what they say I should do. They don't believe that. It's a lie if it's false. Don't let it be the truth. But if they can't find any fault against you and they can't come up with anything bad against you, guess what they're going to do? They're going to lie. They're going to lie. <laughs> this is a silly story, but I want to share it anyway because I think it illustrates my point. I remember being in the fourth grade and I was in my teacher's class that didn't like me. We didn't really like her either. Um, but I mean, her name was Miss, Miss Norsworthy and we used to call her Miss Noseworthy because she had a, a kind of a big pointy nose. But to this day, I still don't know why she had it out for me in particular, because most of my teachers loved me and um, very kind to me. But one particular day, she must have been having a terrible day. The air conditioner was just full blast and everybody was cold in the room and it was it was kind of chilly outside anyway. And, and everybody was cold and um, she left the room for the for a while and left the children unsupervised. I don't know that that's something a teacher's supposed to do, but... She left a room full of fourth graders, and we were all sitting there minding our own business. And when she returned, uh, I had pulled my, my arms into my shirt, and I was kind of holding myself like this because I was freezing to death. And, and a couple of other the children were doing the same thing, and my friends were doing the same thing. Well, she, when she came in the room, she grabbed me and another kid and pulled us out of the room and then took us, drug us down to the principal's office and accused us to the principal of standing up and instigating the whole class, having a boxing match with our shirts off. Now, I hadn't done that that day. And, but needless to say, that day... I got a paddling. And when I got home, because back then when you got the paddling, they gave you the pink slip. Did anybody ever get a pink slip? Okay, okay, how about that? I'm, I'm among friends. I had to take that pink slip home with me to my mom and my dad and explain to them what happened. And they had to sign the pink slip and 
send it back to school. But I knew, because my dad had told me, you get a paddling at home, I mean, you get a paddling at school, excuse me, you get a paddling at school, you get a paddling at home. You get, and I mean, he didn't paddle, he used a belt. But I was going to get the belt at home. So I, I mean, it had on there, boxing in front of the class with his shirt off. I, said, I took it to my dad and I said, I did not do that. I did not do that. And he said, well, your teacher said it. Am I supposed to believe you or believe your teacher? And I said, I said, Dad, Jesus knows. <laughs> Jesus knows. He knows the truth. And I didn't do it. Well, I'll tell you this. They can say whatever they want to say about you. But Jesus knows the truth. He absolutely knows the truth. They lied about the apostles. You know, one of the first things that we see in human history, in a human history, in a church history, about the church was how the the society around were were mocking them and persecuting them. The earliest drawings that we have from the first century is a is a donkey on a cross, and it's, and it's it was graffiti against Christianity. They also called the Christians cannibals because they partook of the Lord's Supper. And the Lord's Supper was about the body and the blood of Jesus. And so they accused Christians of being cannibals. And the world is going from bad to worse. They lied about Jesus. They said all kinds of things and falsely accused Jesus. The world hated Jesus and the world still hates Jesus. Luke 8, 53 says they laughed at him. John 7 and verse 7, Jesus said, The world cannot hate you, but it hates me because I testify about it that its works are evil. Now this, is, this was before Jesus had ascended and Jesus was saying this to the apostles because they were under the umbrella of protection from the Holy Spirit that he had put over them. But now the world hates us and the world hated them. But here's the, here's the third thing about our posture. The lies need to be false. The lifestyle that we show needs to be righteous. But it all must be for His sake as well. The Lord that we serve. The Lord that we serve. Now listen. Jesus said, if the world hates you, John 15, know that it has hated me before it hated you. If you were of the world, the world would love you as its own. But because you were not of the world... But because I chose you out of the world, therefore the world hates you. Remember the word that I said to you, a servant is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will persecute, they will also persecute you. Now, you hear that again. Remember the biblical truth this morning. Every Christian will suffer persecution. If the world persecuted him, they will persecute us. If they kept my word, they would also keep yours. But all these things they will do on, do to you on account of my name. Because they do not know him who sent me. Now going back to the text this morning, listen to what Jesus says at the end of verse 11. He says, when others revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. 
I just want you to underscore that in your Bible. If you, if you don't mind writing in your Bible or underlining in your Bible, highlight that and write on my account. And what that, what that means is that everything that you suffer as a Christian, Jesus says, put it on my account. Mark 13 and verse 9 and following, Jesus says, be on your guard for they will deliver you over to councils. And they... And you will be beaten in synagogues and you will stand before governors and kings for my sake to bear witness before them. And the gospel must first be proclaimed to all nations. And when they bring you to trial and deliver you over, do not be anxious beforehand what you are to say. But whatever is given to you in that hour, for it is not you who speak, but the Holy Spirit. And brother will deliver brother over to death. Listen, that's happening all around the world right now, I know of, of I read of uh, Hindus that come to know Christ in India and immediately their family disowns them, rejects them, beats them, kills them. They're run out of villages. They're forced into marriage. Women are forced into marriage so that they can become Hindu forever, permanently. Father is child and children arise against parents and have them put to death. Verse 13, and you will be hated by all. Why? Listen to, listen to that part. You'll be hated by all. Why? He says, for my name's sake. But the one who endures to the end will be saved. Everything you suffer as a Christian, Jesus says, put it on my account. So you have the posture of the persecuted, the position of the persecuted. But thirdly, I want you to see the partnership of the persecuted. Now, listen to what Jesus says again. He says, rejoice and be glad for your reward in heaven is great. For so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Now, when Jesus says, put it on my account, what he's revealing is that he is there with us during that suffering. But, but he reminds us that there are so many who've, per, who've been persecuted before us. The devil took everything from Job. And somebody said, well, but he didn't take Job's wife. What does that say about her? <laughs> now, I heard, I've heard that. Now, I was told. I, listen, now, I would say, uh, uh, Brother Jim said to me one day, he said, now, listen, don't, get, go, don't be too hard. On Job's wife, because remember, she lost everything too. And I remember that, and I try to remember that, but still, uh, she wasn't a very nice person. All right, uh, number two, Lot lost his home, his wife, and the innocence of his own daughters to evil men. Jacob was tricked and mistreated by Laban. You remember that? Laban. Uh, Laban said, well, work for me seven years and you can marry Rachel. And the Bible says it was but to Jacob, but a few days because of his love for Rachel. And then the night of his honeymoon, it was Leah. Joseph was thrown into a pit, sold into slavery, falsely accused by Potiphar's wife and left to rot in an Egyptian prison. Moses ridiculed, uh, was ridiculed and hated by Pharaoh, and his leadership was rejected by his own people. Elijah was chased by the wicked queen Jezebel. Jeremiah was thrown into a cistern with mud up to his neck. 
then eventually stoned to death. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego uh, were Hananiah, Azariah, and Mishael, their Hebrew names, were thrown into a fiery furnace. Daniel was thrown into the lion's den for praying. John the Baptist was beheaded for speaking truth to power. Stephen was stoned to death because he would not back down about the message, the testimony of Jesus Christ. The apostles were all martyred except John who was exiled to a lonely island called Patmos. Paul was beaten, stoned, shipwrecked, imprisoned, and eventually beheaded. For the testimony of Jesus Christ. The early Christians were beaten, beheaded, stoned. Their bodies lit on fire like torches to line the, the streets of Rome at night. They were fed to the lions and they were drawn and quartered. But here's the truth. No Christian suffers alone. Whatever, whatever you're facing that you can truly count as persecution for righteousness' sake, lies that you suffer, false accusations on His account. Number one, the Lord Jesus is with you in the fire and in the flood. Number two, brothers and sisters just like you have suffered for millennia. No Christian suffers alone. When Elijah was in that cave, God said, "What, What are you doing here, Elijah? He said, I've been very jealous for the Lord, the God of hosts, for the people of Israel have forsaken your covenant, thrown down your altars, and killed your prophets with the sword. And I, even I alone, am left, and they seek my life to take it away. Elijah believed that he was alone. (laughs) But, But God said to Elijah, get up, boy. Go do what I've told you to do. Go anoint the king. Rally the the people of Israel. And then he ends that that conversation and he says in verse 18, Yet I will leave 7,000 in Israel, all the knees that have not bowed to Baal and every mouth that has not kissed him. There were 7,000 other people in Israel when Elijah thought he was the only one. And I tell you what, our brothers and sisters need you right now more than ever all around the world to bow your knees to our Heavenly Father and have them on your heart. That you kneel in prayer for them and you stand in solidarity for the sake of the gospel for those who are suffering. Isaiah 43, but now thus says the Lord, He who created you, O Jacob, he who formed you, O Israel, fear not, for I have redeemed you. I have called you by name. You are mine. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And through the rivers, they shall not overwhelm you. When you walk through the fire, you shall not be burned, and the flame shall not consume you. For I am the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. And so we see the position of the Persecuted, the posture of the persecuted, the partnership of the persecuted. But I want you to see, fourthly, the perspective of the persecuted. Now listen, he says, blessed are you when others revile you. And then he says in verse 12, rejoice and be glad, for your reward is great in heaven. Now there's some perspective that we need there. We need perspective that this is only temporary. That even if they... Even if they revile us, 
Jesus knows the truth. And even if they mock us, Jesus accepts us. And even if they take our very lives, Jesus will welcome us into eternal dwelling. Christians can praise when we're persecuted. All throughout Scripture, we see Christians praising because of persecution. Not not just when they're persecuted, but because of persecution. Acts 5.41, then they left the presence of the council, James uh, uh, Peter and John left the presence of the council rejoicing that they were counted worthy to suffer dishonor for the name of Jesus. Romans 5, 3. Not only that, but we rejoice in our sufferings knowing that suffering produces endurance. Paul says to the Corinthians, For the sake of Christ, then I am content with weakness, insult, hardships, persecutions, and calamities. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Colossians 1.11, being strengthened with all power according to His glorious might for all endurance and patience with joy. Colossians 1.24, now I rejoice in my sufferings for your sake. Listen to that again. Paul says, I rejoice in my sufferings for your sake. He was all about the gospel spilling over out of his life. When they rattled Paul, the gospel spilled out. And in my flesh, I am filling up what is lacking in Christ's afflictions for the sake of his body, that is the church. Hebrews 10, 34, for you had compassion on those in prison and you joyfully accepted the plundering of your property since you knew that you yourselves had a better possession and an abiding one. James 1 and 2, count it all joy. Count it all joy, my brothers. When you meet trials of various kinds. In Sunday school this morning, one of my Sunday school members said, I just, I just don't understand why they, do they want me to be quiet? They tell me to quit talking about Jesus. That's who I am. How can I be quiet? They're telling me not to be me. Count it all joy. 1 Peter 4.13, but rejoice insofar as you share Christ's sufferings. that's That's the whole point of it all. The perspective is that when we suffer, we are participating in the work of Jesus Christ. Because the gospel is not just about a Savior who rose from the grave. The gospel is about a Savior who suffered and bled and died at the hands of sinful men. But rejoice in so far as you share in Christ's sufferings that you may also rejoice and be glad when His glory is revealed. See, here's the thing. There is a day coming where you will see your Savior face to face. And everything that you've ever suffered for Him in that moment will all be worth it. When the world hates you, you are still loved by God. And as Myrtle Grove Baptist Church, we will not back down from our message of 
Jesus Christ and what He offers, which is salvation to anyone who believes, we will not back down from that message. When we are told to be silent, we will sing. When we are told to sit down, we will stand for truth. When we are told to back down, we will charge forward. When we are told to recant, we will testify. Myrtle Grove Baptist Church will not only continue to worship on this corner, but we're going to claim every single corner in Myrtle Grove for the glory of Jesus Christ. And we're not going to stop until He comes back. And that's the perspective that we ought to have as we go forward. And the world tells us to sit down and shut up. We stand up and speak out. And we continue to praise the name of Jesus. He's worthy, folks. I want you to see, lastly, the prize of the persecuted. He says, your reward in heaven is great. Heaven itself will be reward enough. Amen. Somebody say, amen. Come on, you're going to heaven. Heaven itself is reward enough. But then he goes on to say that your reward is piling up every time you're persecuted. That's amazing to think about. Every sorrow you face on earth will be healed in heaven. Lord Jesus says to the church of Smyrna, church of Smyrna in Revelation 2, and the angel of the church of Smyrna write, these are the words of the first and the last, he who died and came to life. It's a reminder that Jesus suffered and died and was raised again. I know your tribulation and your poverty, but you are rich. And the slander of those who say that they are Jews and are not, but are the synagogue of Satan. Do not fear what you are about to suffer. Behold, the devil is about to throw some of you into prison that you may be tested. And for ten days you will have tribulation. Be faithful unto death. Be faithful unto death. You know, in chapter 12, it says they love their lives, love not their lives, even to the point of death. He says, and I will give you the crown of life. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. The one who conquers will not be hurt by the second death. Well, when Paul compared everything that he had gone through, suffered for the name of Christ, to the hope that he had in heaven. This is what he said. For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed to us. In other words, they don't even compare. I mean, like you can't even weigh them one for the other because heaven outweighs them so much. Like they'll all be forgotten in the glory of heaven. I want to invite you now. I want to invite you now to share in the sufferings of Christ. If you're not a Christian today, what I want to tell you is that Jesus, He suffered and He bled and died, not for no reason. He suffered and bled and died to pay the penalty of your sin and my sin on the cross so that we could have Eternity with Him. If you've never repented of your sin and put your faith in the Lord Jesus, then you will suffer for eternity. But if you've trusted in the Lord Jesus Christ, you've repented of your sin, you've asked Him to forgive you, and you've confessed Him as your Lord, He's forgiven you. And you will spend eternity in heaven with Him. So I invite you to put your faith in Jesus. 
and join him in suffering. You say, well, no can do. I'm not doing that. I have too much to lose. I've got too many friends that would reject me. I've got too much going on for me in this life. I don't want to give up this, and I don't want to give up my recreation and and all of these things that I do. I don't want to walk away from that sin. Listen, that's up to you. I want to, I want to hear, let you hear the words of Adrian Rogers, though, and listen to what he said. He said, if I had a thousand lives to live, I'd, I'd give everyone to Jesus with all my heart. He's the only one worth knowing and serving. Is that true for you? I want you to bow your heads and close your eyes. If you realize that Jesus is the one and only Son of God who lived a sinless life and He died for you. And you believe what He said, that He is the way, the truth, and the life and no one goes to the Father except through Him. Listen, you can have His offer of salvation. You can receive it today if you'll put your faith in Him. Do it now. And don't wait. Yes, it may mean that you suffer It will mean that you suffer. But I tell you, it's all worth it. And if you're willing to pay that price, pray this prayer with me. Lord Jesus, I admit to you that I am a sinner. I deserve the penalty for my sin. But Jesus, I I come to you now. And I repent. I ask you to forgive me. I know that you're a Lord of everything. I believe that you suffered and you bled and you died on the cross for me. And I know that you're alive. And one day I'll stand before you. I pray that you'll save me. Give me a home in heaven with you. And Jesus, I'll spend the rest of my life loving you and serving you, even if it means that I lose everything. I know that what I have in you is so much more. Thank you for saving me. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Would you stand with me? This is your opportunity to allow... The church to know if you've prayed that prayer in your heart. It's something that's not meant to be held in. It's something that's meant to be shared. It's a testimony. It's a witness. And so this invitation is for you to come and tell us what Jesus has done for you. If he saved you, let us know so we can rejoice with you. We've got resources for you. We want to provide the opportunity for you to be baptized. And we want to pray for you and help you grow in Christ. And so you don't stand there, you come, whatever we sing. And if you need prayer, our altar counselors will be here to pray with you. And if you know that God has called you to join Myrtle Grove Baptist Church, then you come and we'll receive you into membership. Let us sing together our invitation. What can wash away my sin? Nothing but the blood of Jesus.
be seated for a moment. Lord Jesus, uh, in the parable of the talents, he said, occupy until I come. So even when Christians are persecuted, we still have influence. You believe that? Yeah. Well, we have a strong influence because our testimony is about one who gives us life eternal, which means that this life that we live here on this earth, and we know it's just temporary, so we're pointing people past us, just like Stephen did. On the day that he was stoned, he gazed into heaven and he saw the Lord standing uh, next to the throne. That's amazing. And so we point people to Jesus. And listen, we have the opportunity to do that in America in a way that most other Christians around the world don't have that same privilege. And that is to be able to elect those who lead us. And if, you, if we neglect that, we are welcoming persecution, not just on ourselves, but on others our posterity after us, okay? And God's, one day, he's going to say, what did you do with that privilege that I gave you to vote? 
And, and so here's the thing. Here's what, I, here's what I want to encourage you to do. I want you to vote. If you're registered to vote, I want you to be at the polls on Tuesday if you haven't already voted. I want you to do that. And then if, if you're not registered to vote, you get registered to vote and you be ready to vote next time. You understand? Okay. All right, let's watch the little video. It's going to encourage you. So, I'm planning to vote. Are you? Nah, I don't vote. Christians shouldn't get involved in politics. Says who? Not God. The Bible says, choose for your tribe's wise, understanding, and experienced men. God wants us to choose leaders who will make decisions based on biblical principles. If Christians won't vote for the good of America, who will? Well, I don't like either candidate. And the one that I really like isn't even in the running. Hey, no one in authority is perfect, but there's always a better choice. Pray about it and vote the better choice. Listen, I can't be bothered to vote. Our country's a big mess, and it's not going to get any better whether I vote or not. Have you ever read a history book? How do you think things get changed in our country? They get changed in the voting booth. Voting is not only our right, it's our responsibility. Hey, voting is a waste of time. My one vote doesn't make a difference. Did you know there are 90 million Christians who are eligible to vote? Take your one vote based on biblical values and multiply it by millions of other votes based on biblical values. And what do you get? You get a landslide. It starts with that one vote, yours. And don't forget that some elections have been decided by just a few hundred votes. Without your one vote, an important race could be lost. But I can't even get to the polls on election day. So it doesn't matter if I want to vote or not. Well, maybe there's someone out there who can help you get to the polls. Will anyone out there help a senior citizen or someone who's handicapped or needs a babysitter or doesn't have transportation or doesn't know where their polling place is? Anyone? Yes, I see those hands. Go ahead and offer to help. All right, I'm sold. I think I'll vote after all. Thanks. Hey, I'm planning to vote. Are you? I just want to take uh, about 30 seconds um, here to um, to recognize um, all the folks that uh, I've given uh, for the uh, the clothes that that I spoke about about three weeks ago. Well, I'm here to tell you that um, first of all, I'm going to give you a big shout for um, doing what you did, and number two, um, at the time when this came, this call came. The weather was kind of cool, and lo and behold, the weather now all of a sudden wouldn't it back down to short sleeves and shorts. <laughs> but uh, fear not, because I understand that uh, by this coming weekend, we're going to be back into a cold spell, and uh, many children will be uh, going to school, uh, needing uh, clothes. So what we've done and what you've done is you have supported these four homeless children at Sherwood Elementary School and given to their need, and, uh, and you went above and beyond. So um, it, I wanted to share a story with you uh, very quickly of a letter that was sent to me by Sherwood Elementary School uh, about five years ago. It was from a mother that said the following words. She said that Myrtle Grove Baptist Church is the, the beacon of light on top of the hill in a dark community. And that is no joke. You have supported all the community uh, 
for the years that um, have been passed, and you will continue to do that uh, because I know that God through works all of us to do what we have to do. Thank you. All right, so one I got one very quick thing too, sorry. <laughs> uh, we have Upward Basketball and Cheer coming up, and we have a couple spots that we could really, really use some help. So if you're interested in helping with that, please, please, please come see me. Uh, like I said, we have a couple spots that we need to fill with that. Um, and then another thing, just want to recognize really quick, uh, we have one of our members, uh, Pastor Josh's son, Taylor, next Sunday. Uh, will be going off to get ready to join the Coast Guard. So, so throughout this week, and then when he uh, gets shipped off, uh, let's just be sure that we pray for him as well as everyone else that we have. We have a ton of our younger people that are in basic right now, um, some in Air Force, some in National Guard, one about to be in Coast Guard across the board. So just be praying for them. Uh, as they continue to prepare to serve our country. Uh, and that's a good thing to be praying for, too, with Veterans Day coming up as well. So that being said, let me pray, and we'll get out of here. Um, God, we just thank you so much for another time to come and to worship you this morning. God, we lift up Taylor as he, get, he is getting ready um, to, to join the Coast Guard. I pray that you give him the energy, the endurance, um, the, the willpower, God, uh, to be able to not just go and complete the task that he has given um, but also to do that for your glory, God. God, I pray that you use him to shed light um, and, and share the gospel with those that are around him, as well as all of our other members that are uh, currently in basic or in training, getting ready for their branch of military as well. Um, God, we just thank you so much for another opportunity to be here uh, and to worship you. We praise you for that, God. In your heavenly name, amen.